Open your Bibles to the book of John. We're going to read John 1, 1 through 18. John 1 is a long chapter. The book of John was written by the Apostle John, the same John who wrote the book of Revelation and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Tradition, history, tells us that he was alive after all the other apostles had been martyred, that he was a, a younger man, and so he lived substantially longer than these than the rest of the other, or later than than the rest of the apostles. Um, <clears throat> so this is this is John. John was the beloved disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and we get to see a picture of that relationship uh, and the sweetness of it in this gospel that he writes. When he writes, he writes about himself occasionally, but he doesn't refer to himself as John. And so at the beginning of the book, as we read about a, guy, a man named John, don't be confused. John isn't writing about himself at the beginning here where we read about a man named John. We're reading about John the Baptist, a different John. Not the apostle whom Jesus loved, but Jesus' cousin, right? So, <clears throat> um, I told you earlier, this is one of my favorite books. I think it is my favorite book. And it's the story of Jesus' life written in a completely different way than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Just a completely different gospel. Not no, the same gospel. Completely different writing, a completely different uh, way of writing, completely different uh, goal, really, behind it. In, all four of them are written in order to tell us who Jesus is. Um, but John has a... John is not focused on giving us the history of Jesus' life. The way I would put it is that the way John, what John is trying to do is, John is trying to convey the, uh, the depth of meaning, the mystery of Jesus' life, as opposed to the history of Jesus' life. And so, yes, we get plenty of history in this book, just like we get plenty of uh, Jesus' purpose in the other three Gospels, right? Um, but really, we see a, a, an incredible simplicity in the book of John and an incredible mystery right from the very beginning. The simplicity is in his goal. All he wants is to convince you to believe in Jesus. If you read the book of John... His whole goal, over and over and over again, you read the word believe. In fact, the word believe, or believing, or believes, this is a theme that is in every single chapter of the book. You, you, you read it 86 times, that word, in just 21 chapters. Okay? So he hits this over and over and over again, this question of believing. So we're going to be... We need to recognize that from the beginning and paying attention as we continue through the book because this is his goal, that we would believe. And near the end, he tells us why he picked the stories that he did to tell about Jesus. Which, which things, historical things that happened, did he decide to tell us? Well, 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 we'll read through all of them in the coming weeks, but why did he pick them? Well... He says 
in chapter 20, at the end of the chapter, verse 31, he says, These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And so right there, you see the simplicity and the mystery brought together, right? The simplicity is, all he's trying to do is to get you to believe in Jesus. And then the mystery is, what comes of believing? Who is this Jesus that believing in him, you have life in his, in his name? That his name is that powerful. That's the, that's the gospel of John. That simplicity and that mystery brought together. If, you wanna, if, you, if you're learning Greek and you want to read something that right at the beginning, just as you're beginning to learn Greek, you can read the book of John. It's the simplest writing. It's so, so easy to read. And yet, to understand it. The mystery that's within it. It's fantastic. So the words are easily comprehended, and yet, until we comprehend the mystery that is within them, the depth that is within such simple sentences, we really haven't done what John wants, which is to believe in Jesus. So he's going to tell us who this Jesus is. Listen as John introduces us to Jesus. You'll never hear a more powerful introduction to a man. You'll never hear a more fantastic beginning of a book. You'll never hear anything as grand in scope or as simply written or as deeply meaningful as the introduction that John gives us to Jesus. And it builds all the way up through verse 18. Please stand for the reading of God's word from the beginning of the book of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were, who were his own did not receive him. But, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. This is the word of the Lord. 
You may be seated. In the beginning was the Word. It's simple, isn't it? In the beginning was the Word. And in fact, it's, it's easy to understand. I gave it away in my introduction. He's talking about Jesus. But you read the first 18 verses of the book, and it's clear. By the time you get to verse 17, we see that the Word is Jesus. That's who he's talking about this whole time. He doesn't say it right away, though, does he? He builds up to that point where he finally says, Jesus, that's who I'm talking about. And so we see, if we, if we go back and we think about it, that what he's saying is as simple as, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. It's not hard to comprehend. And yet, it's incredible, the mystery. Why doesn't he just come out and say, at the beginning... I'm writing a book about Jesus. Jesus was God. Well, he wants us to understand more than that. What he wants us to understand is the astonishing facts that, that are contained in saying that. The incredible fact that Jesus is the Word, the Logos, the Creator God. And so he backs up and lets us back up to the beginning where he's talking, and he's talking about Jesus, and yet he's, his focus is on getting us to see the world from a completely different perspective than we're normally looking at the world. When we look at the world, we look around us, we typically see the physical, the things that exist, the chairs that we're sitting on, and, and we go about life knowing that we have these deep feelings within us, emotions, right, that we have the ability to think, and these things affect us every day on a, you know, as we go about our life, and <clears throat> sometimes we find our emotions and our thoughts so overwhelming, so consuming that it's hard, to, it's hard to get past them and think about anything else, right? And yet John says, let's, let's step away from all of that for a second. Let's go back all the way to the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. What does he mean when he says, in the beginning? <clears throat> what he means is before anything existed, before the creation of the world, the Word is with God. The Word did not come into existence at the creation. The world was the, the Word was there before the world. The Word, therefore, is God. And that's what he says. The Word is with God before anything existed. The Word is God. Then the Word created all things. The universe. The stars. You go back and he's intentionally mimicking at the beginning of his book, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so everything that we read about at the beginning of the book of Genesis, he created the heavens and the earth, he created the stars, he created light and darkness, he created 
the animals. He created everything. Who did? God did. Nothing came into being apart from the Word, God. And so this is how John begins his book. He says, let's take a big step back and let's look at the world. Let's look at how it came into being. This is deep philosophy, right? This is answering the question, where did I come from? What is my purpose on the earth? How did I come into existence? What are these, what are these things that I'm feeling? Why do I have the ability to think? If you've ever watched Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there's a scene where a whale pops into existence 10 miles up in the air, and you get to hear his thoughts as he falls. And it's this existential, philosophical, like, what's going on? Why do I exist? What is this blowing? <laughs> okay, so here we are, and John is trying to push us back to actually think about these questions. Why is it that you're able to think? Why is it that you are able to feel? Why is it that you exist in the first place? And as people who have been in church for years, it's easy to step right over that, to miss the profoundness of his message at the beginning, where he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word created all things. Nothing has come into being except through the power of the Word. And he, he, he wants us to see this and understand it. He keeps kind of restating the same things to clarify and to intensify. In the beginning was the word. That enough, that there alone is enough to make clear that the word is God. And yet he, ex he expands it. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And if we didn't catch it, Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. Not he came into being in the beginning. He was. He existed perpetually from eternity. All things came into being through him. Simple. And apart from him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. He's reiterating. He wants, us to, he wants the power of his statements to hit us and to hit us again. God made all things. Right, okay. So what did God not make? Nothing. Absolutely everything was made by him. Nothing that exists. Nothing that you can think of. And in fact, as he moves on, what we find is that our ability to think comes out of him. Not only is there nothing you can think of that he didn't create, your ability to think came directly from him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What is this life? 
in him was life. In other words, the motion of the universe is in him. This is life. The life that he's speaking of is the, the action of a universe too big for us to comprehend. The movement of molecules and cells. The building blocks of atoms and how they're held together. In him was life. He did not simply create everything. He breathed life into the universe. If you, if you think of looking out into the stars, you, you think of the, the movement that is out there. Stars, galaxies, hurtling. Flying around in space, and each star with nuclear explosions perpetually, and the light and the heat that's flying in all directions. This is the life that the Word infused into the universe. In Him was life. He keeps everything going. Colossians says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is the word. If the word stopped holding all things together, everything would stop. The laws of physics don't exist apart from him saying, exist. The word is powerful. The word speaks into existence everything around you. You think the chair you're sitting on is solid. And you think about something being unmade. Have you ever... Uh, seen, what's a good example? Star Wars, the Death Star. Unmaking worlds, right? The, 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 power of, the power of the Death Star. Why is it called the Death Star? Because it unmakes a world. It's incomprehensible. But if you think of your chair suddenly being unmade underneath you. It would be astounding, wouldn't it? What would happen? Who knows? Particles flying every which way? Everything would blink out of existence if the word stopped being the word. And so the life that is contained in the word is infused by the word into the universe. And so when we read in Genesis that he gave the breath of life to the animals. We, we realize what an astounding thing that is. A new level of life. Not just a world spinning through space. Not just galaxies and stars. Not just cells, but organisms. Alive. Breathing. And then, the life gave light 
to men. This was, a, this was something else entirely. We reach a new level when we realize that man is able to understand. Man is able to think. Man is able to reason. That is the light that the Word has given to man. Men can hear this message and understand it. No animal can do that. When you look at rocks in a microscope, they're fantastically complex and yet they cannot think. They have no light. They have no reasoning. They have no understanding. But man has been given the light of the Word. We have been raised up high in the creation, above all the rest of the animals, the rest of the world. And yet, what happened? See, he's, he's, he's telling us all of the fantastic things that the Word has done. And we know about each of them. We know that man is unique, that man has been given light. There's something within us, here, in our hearts. These emotions, these feelings, this reasoning. We know it's unique. We know about the universe. We study it. We discover how amazingly complex it is. And he's saying, this was made by the Word. You have the ability to study it and think about it because the Word gave his life. He gave you the light. And yet, verse 5, he continues and he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So our ability to reason, our ability to understand, our ability to comprehend has been dulled. We lost it at the fall. And so, though he continues to shine, though he continues to hold all things together, though he continues to give us the ability to reason, And though he continues to shine into the darkness, we did not comprehend in our darkness. Thankfully, that's not the end of the book. Right? If that was the end of the book, where would we be left? We'd be left with nothing. We would be left in the darkness of the reasoning of man apart from God's word. The reasoning that's been corrupted into darkness. And so you can, you can talk about Plato and his understanding of the word he writes about, the logos, right? And, and his reasoning and how far philosophy can get us. And, and yet at the end... What are you left with? There must be a God. There must be a light. There must be the creator. The word that gives existence to everything here. And yet I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. And, the, and, and what more can you understand? How much further can you make it? Well, you can study as much chemistry, as much biology, as much physics as you want. Every new thing that you discover will simply declare God's glory 
will simply declare to you the same thing that the philosopher already discovered. The Word exists. God, the Creator, His invisible attributes, as Paul says, are declared to us in all of creation. And yet, what can we know in our darkness? This is not where the story ends. There came a man sent by God. What a wonderful message. What a wonderful continuation of the story, right? God did not leave us alone, struggling in that darkness, unable to comprehend the light. He sent a messenger there came a man sent of God whose name was John. He came, why? He came as a witness to testify about the light. What does that mean, testify? Tell us about, explain to us this light that we can't comprehend, that's shining out of the darkness and all we can, it's like the, it's like the, Super bright flashlights, the self-defense lights, right? Doesn't matter if it's the middle of the day, somebody takes one of these flashlights, takes one of those million candle watt battery, <laughs> shines it at you. You, know, you can see that light all right, but what do you comprehend? Nothing. It simply blinds you. What we need is somebody to testify about that light, to explain that light to us. Why? So that all might believe through him. He was not the light. Don't be confused. I'm talking about a man now, right? He wasn't the light, but he came to testify about the light. On the other hand, you have the light itself, the true light. We continue in verse 9. Which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. That's where we are apart from the messenger. But worse than that, he came to his own. The people that he had called and set apart as his own chosen people, the Jews. And what happened? Those who were his own did not receive him. And so the messenger has been sent that all might believe, and yet many did not believe. Many continued in darkness. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Now we've stepped from one world of amazing onto a, a new plane of fantastical. If you, were, if you were trying to write a fantasy novel, you couldn't get weirder than this. The same light, this, this creator word, came into the world, and if you believe in him, then you get to be sons of God. Okay, 
I know you're going for dramatic, author, but really it's just a bit over the top. Isn't that what you'd say to somebody who, who wrote the novel this way? It's just a little bit too hard to believe. It's like, it, 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 doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem realistic enough. I know it's fantasy and all, but it's like, you got to make it harder than that. <laughs> Don't you? Doesn't there need to be some, like, some sort of, I don't know, it can't be that simple. And yet that's all there is to it. The book of John, it's, it's that simple. And, and the message of hope, the message of forgiveness and eternal life, it's that simple. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be sons of God. And then, You just have to figure out what it means to be a son of God. And all of a sudden, that's where the, the immensity of the complexity and the mystery of the statement comes crashing down on top of you. What exactly do you mean by sons of God? Well, let's talk about artificial intelligence for a second. Today, people have a lot of dreams and hopes about how the world is going to be in 50 years. So in 50 years, you know you're not going to be allowed to drive your car anymore, right? It's going to be automatic. It'll be a true auto, right? OK, that might be sad to some of you, but what else is going to have happened? What else is going to have changed in 50 years with technology? Well, a lot of people, including a lot of Christians, think that the development of technology, the pace at which we're increasing the complexity and improving the uh, ability of technology to accomplish things, in, in 50 years, this world is going to look entirely different. And in fact, if you go back 50 years, from now, the world did look entirely different because of technology and the changes, right? But a lot of people are looking at it and saying, it's going to become so fantastic. What we have created ourselves will be so amazing that we will be obsolete. We will be pathetic compared to with what we have made. And so <clears throat> people approach this in different ways. Some people talk about artificial, the artificial intelligence side, and they talk about the singularity. And the singularity is this theoretical point in time at which technology will become self-aware where it will have advanced, the, the intelligence, the artificial intelligence will have advanced to such a point where it is no longer artificial, right? It is true intelligence at that point. That's the singularity. And on the other hand, you have people over here who want to talk about the bo our bodies and talk about how we will actually be able to make uh, bodies that are better than our bodies, right? Replace, uh, replace limbs with better limbs, replace eyes with better eyes, replace brains with better brains, new, stronger, everlasting hearts, cures for cancer. What can't be accomplished through science and technology? Nothing. Absolutely anything can be accomplished. This is our vision for today. This is where we think science will lead us. Okay? Now, what's my point in driving down this road? Well, 
I have two points. One is that um, the light that is within us comes from the Word and not from us. And so we cannot give light to our creations. Do you understand that? That's so important for us to grasp. And even if we ever do give some sort of true intelligence to our creations, they can only ever be children of us, not children of God. Do you understand how important that is? As children of us, what will they be like? They'll be filled with the darkness that's in us, won't they? Not with the light that is the life of man. The Word, God, created, gave life, gave light. My second point is that this is to worship the creation rather than the creator. This deep, deep study of philosophy, the question of life, the universe, and everything, is answered right here in these few verses. And when we step outside of it, we think that we are the makers of ourselves, that we are the builders of amazing and fantastic, that we are the givers of light and life. What we end up doing is creating a new Tower of Babel. We shall reach into the heavens. We will accomplish great things. We will be gods. We'll never die. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. What do you want? Do you want to be a child of God or do you want to be a child of the bastard science God? Do you want to be living forever here on this earth or do you want to have eternal life with God? Creator. Do you see the promise that's held out by technology and technologists is the promise ultimately of life eternal. And so I've heard of I've heard of young men who are in the thrall of the amazingness of the inventions and the things that are being accomplished say that heaven is ob will be obsolete. Heaven will be unnecessary in 30 years. Because we'll be able to live forever. What vanity. What insanity. What a worthless goal. To be a child of God. This, to have life. Life. Eternal life in his name. Versus, what is this? Get rid of your flesh and... Get a Luke Skywalker hand? This is your this is this is the aim? This is the best you can come up with? I offer you eternal life. I offer you the ability to become 
a child of God. And no eternal life that results in you living, growing more miserable in despair through eons. But life everlasting in God's presence with the Word. The one who gave you light, your ability to think and reason in the first place. And all it takes is believing in his name. How did this happen? How could this be possible? How can I have that? Well, the Word, the Word, the Creator, God, the one who gave you light and understanding and life, that one, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory. And it was truly glorious. It was not this pathetic vision of glory that you, have, you can see in the science magazines today. It was truly glorious. Because it was the glory of God, not the glory of man. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This is he! This is the one I was telling you about! And you would cry out, wouldn't you? He's the one. It's Jesus Christ who I told you about. He's the one who I said was greater than I. What a message. Can you imagine being entrusted with that message? John has the message. He's been told, tell the people so that they'll believe so that they'll have life in his name. So that they can become children of God. Jesus, he's the one, the one who comes after me and has a higher rank than me and existed before me. Now who is older, John or Jesus? John was born first, and yet Jesus. Jesus is the Word. He existed before John. He existed before the molecules that make up John existed. My whole goal this morning has been to declare Jesus to you. Remember Paul says he knew nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified? My whole, my whole goal has been to have the same goal as John writing this book, the goal of declaring Jesus so that you might believe. And you can't declare Jesus without declaring his glory. And if you see Jesus, if you believe the message, then you have you have participated in, you have seen the glory of the incorruptible God. He has been revealed to you. The light has been explained. There is not just a God, a creator, who made you, who is off in the distance blinding you with 
his light, declaring his invisible attributes, eternal attributes. No. He has sent his only begotten son so that we may be called sons of God. That is grace upon grace. Despite the fact that we turned away from the light, despite the fact that we refused to look to the light, despite the fact that when the light came, we rejected the light, he sent John. He sent his son. He gave us his glory. He revealed his glory to us. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. None of us have seen God. And yet, if you have seen Jesus this morning, he is in the bosom of the Father, and he has explained him to you. That's good news. Now remember when I said, can you imagine being John? Now I want you to be John. You've seen You've understood. You've received. Now go and declare the light. Explain the light to others.